0: As-salātu wa s-salāmu alayhi wa-alihi wa s-salāmu alayhi wa s-salāmu alayhi wa alayhi wa s alayhi wa s wa sallam wa my brothers and sisters, we were talking about yesterday about the issue of justifying going against the principles of Islam. In the name of business, in the name of government, in the name of politics, in the name of uh, you know different things, and as I mentioned to you yesterday, this is not something which is permissible in our religion. As I mentioned yesterday, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala jala jala sent us with a mission, and the mission is, was, and is. To teach the world how to live in a way that is beneficial for everyone. (coughs) To teach that way, we have to learn the way ourselves and practice it ourselves. What we don't know, we can't teach. What we don't practice, we cannot teach anybody else. So we need to practice. And for that, Allah subhanahu wa (coughs) ta'ala sent his book and he sent his messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as our teacher, to teach us. Now, it is our aqidah, this is a fundamental part of our belief that the Kitab of Allah, Jalla Jalaluhu, is good for all time. It does not need updates, it doesn't need alterations, it does not need change. Anyone who thinks that the Quran, Quran Al-Kareem needs change has is left Islam. Simple as that. If you believe that, you are no longer a Muslim. The Kalam of Allah is good for all time. The teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu is good for all time. So at any point in time, nobody can say, you know, this is all very well, fantastic, great standard, but in my case, I can't apply it, I must do something else. Now to give you a brief glimpse of history, very sadly and tragically, our history, the history of the Muslims worldwide, whether it was I'm going back to the 14th century, whether it was uh, and even before that, the same story we we have from the Banu Umayya was the first Muslim dynasty. After that, the Banu Abbas, uh, which was the second Muslim dynasty. Uh, then, if you that is that's in the Middle East and North Africa and so on, and uh, then then Persia was conquered. So you know what is Iran and uh, then if you go to the indians the two biggest uh, and wealthiest dynasties were the Mughal dynasty in the uh, indian subcontinent and the ottomans uh, in uh, in turkey uh, in terms of sheer wealth the Mughals were much wealthier than the ottomans much wealthier <laughs> by by a huge amount the ottomans had a lot of land so but there was a bigger bigger empire but uh, the Mughals were far far wealthier Throughout all of these dynasties, there is one common factor and that common factor was brother killing brother, brother killing father, brother imprisoning, son imprisoning father, son killing father, uh, brother killing brother. This is our standard story throughout. If I, if I think of exceptions, in the Ottomans I can think of one exception which is Suleiman the magnificent Suleiman al-Khanuni. And the reason he did not kill a brother was because he had no brother. He was alone. He was Sultan Salim's only son. Right? You have, for example, in in India we have Aurangzeb, who is considered to be a very holy man and whatnot, whatnot, the emperor. He killed all his brothers. And he he imprisoned his father until his father died in prison. What Islam is this? Now, the point I am making is that all of them justified this by saying, you know, true, we should not kill our brother, but... For example, all have said, Darashiko used to drink alcohol. So, since when is drinking alcohol a capital offense? Is that in the Sharia that somebody drinks alcohol, you, you kill him? No. So, these are excuses. These are excuses for the sultanate for the for the throne so also we we many many for example salahuddin ayubi right we, great hero of islam mashallah uh, he conquered jerusalem and he he opened jerusalem for the muslims and he opened masjid al-aqsa and so on but if you see how did salahuddin ayubi come to a seat of power <clears throat> he came by the by the convenient deaths of a lot of people who otherwise would have supported him I'm not saying he killed them, but they happened to die very conveniently. And by going against, by breaking his oath, both to Nuruddin Zangi, who was his, the the, the ruler under whom his uncle worked, and to whom he had given an oath of allegiance, and his oath to the Fatimi, the Shia Fatimi Sultan, whose prime minister he was in Egypt. So, first of all, you might say, well, why did he become the Prime Minister of the Shia Sultan? Well, that's a different question. But the point is, at the end of the day, you gave your oath to somebody who broke the oath. So, he did all of this. Sure, he conquered Jerusalem. And the bat with, with, with Nurul Zangi, not only did he break the oath, but he also laid siege to Damascus. And there was a, a, a battle started mercifully or whatever, Nuruddin Zangi died. So Salahuddin Ayubi then married Nuruddin Zangi's wife. So a, a full-fledged battle was avoided. That's the only thing. Now the reason I'm saying all this is not for us to sit and, and criticize these people. That's not the point. The point is, even today, we bend rules and we ignore rules in the name of diplomacy, uh, compromise... Uh, you know, real politic, uh, and so on and so on, right? Contingency. Let's see what Rasulullah <laughs> and his close companions did. Rasulullah was in Medina. We know the story of Nabi ﷺ when he went to Taif. When he used to be in Makkah, right? So here was the Banu Saqif, one of the two major tribes in the Hijaz the quraysh and the banu saqif and the banu saqif uh, they rejected him they assaulted him they did all kinds of things the same banu saqif came to him when he was in madina sallallahu alaihi wasallam before Fatah makkah and they said we are ready to accept islam la ilaha illallah muhammad rasulullah we are ready to pray but we will not pay zakat now see the position I'm looking at it from a political angle. What's the political position? Here is Rasulullah He's a refugee in Medina. He is weak. He doesn't have an army. Uh, he is being assaulted by the Quraysh, Right? They have fought uh, Badr is, they have fought Badr already. Uh, they have fought Uhud. We, uh, the battle of Khandaq is still has, is there. I mean, obviously, this was in the future. They, they didn't know that. But that was there. Uh, all of this is happening. So, to get the allegiance of a major tribe... In the hijaz, would have been, politically speaking, a phenomenal thing. Right? People advise him. They said, Ya Rasulullah, please accept their iman, they will pay zakat in due course. Let them let us go step by step. You know, same argument which people give today. Let us not be extremist. Let us not ask for everything at the same time. Slowly they will do it. Rasulullah said, the one who separates the salah from the zakat is not a Muslim. He sent them away. Right? Where was real politics in this? Where was diplomacy in this? So on the face of it, he lost this great opportunity to get these people on his side. Another one, after Avisa passed away, Abu Siddiq as soon as he became Khalifa, what was the first thing that happened? People refused to pay zakat. All over the Hijaz. What was Abu Bakr Siddiquh R.A.'s response? People advised him, including Sayyidina Omar R.A. <coughs> Sayyidina Omar said, don't, don't be hard on this thing. Go <laughs> Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq said, before you became Muslim, you were so hard, now you became so soft. What's wrong with you? Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiquh R.A. said, the man, and he, he quoted the same ruling of Nabi Sallallahu. He said, the one who separates Salah from Zakat is not a Muslim. He sent out armies and he went himself in one of the armies. They said, if you die, what will happen? He said, how can Abu Bakr sit in Medina in safety when the deen of Rasulullah is in danger? He said, if I die, I die. No problem. Why did he send out army? He said, if somebody refuses to give even the rope of the camel, which is due in zakat, I will fight him. They said, will you fight Muslim? He said, yes. They are not Muslim. If they have separated Zakat and Salah, they are not Muslim. Now, where was diplomacy in this? Where was political wisdom? Today people say, no, no, but you know, given the times, these were times. Finally, I'll tell you one, one apparently small thing. We're talking about breaking oaths. Umar al-Khattar al is called to Jerusalem to take the keys. He is going, he has a, this is not an oath, this is not a written document, nothing. He has an understanding, he has a a deal, he has a promise, he has an agreement with his servant to say that the servant will ride one section and then Sayyidina Omar will walk with holding the camel and then Sayyidina Omar will will ride and the servant will walk, right? We know the story. Now it so happened as they came within sight of Jerusalem, it was the t- the turn of the servant to write. The servant said to me, I say you are the you are my master, you ride, it doesn't look nice. We are reaching the, the city there. Those people are going to see me sitting on the camel, you are walking. It doesn't look nice. You write, I give up my turn to you. Say so that said no. He said an agreement is an agreement. I don't care what anybody thinks, let them think. We agreed. that's it. Today people say, no, but you know, it's okay. How is it okay? You break an agreement. It's not, a, in Islam there is no uh, concept of agreement with, you know, if I have an agreement with this man here because he's my brother, he's wealthy, he is this, he is that, he's that, I should not break it. But if I have an agreement with my servant or my driver or my employee, it's Okay. No, sorry. Here this man is a great sheikh and he's he's got a big beard and he's got a big turban and what not. He's half his Quran. I must have a good agreement. Here this other man he's not even a Muslim. It's No, 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 sorry. In Islam haq is haq batil is batil. (coughs) An agreement is an agreement. You have an agreement with anybody Muslim, non-Muslim makes no difference. You are supposed to honor the agreement because it is about you. It's not about them. It's my word. It doesn't matter who I gave the word to. It's my word. It's a matter of my honor that I stay with my word. If I if I promise you something, that's written on stone. There's no way that can change. That can only change by mutual agreement. I can come back to you and say, my brother, you know, I promised you this thing. This is the situation now. Will you release me from my promise? That's a different issue. But I can't promise and I say, no, 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 no I'm sorry. That doesn't, doesn't happen. Didn't happen. I didn't do it. No way. So, I remind myself and you, let us understand one very clear thing, which is that one day we will meet Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah will not ask us what compromise did you make? He will say what was the rule I sent you, what did you do? Right, three, four days ago I requested requested you to make a dua for a friend of mine, I told you he is dying, right? Right? Muhammad Nazirul Al-Islam. Today he passed away. Inna lillahi wa inna Please make dua for him. May Allah grant him janatul firdausu ala ala bi ghairi isab. Fill his khabar with noor and forgive him and grant him uh, the company of Nabi Sallam and give him give his family uh, sabar inshaAllah. The reason I'm saying that is that this day will come for all of us. The day when we are called to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So please I remind myself and you. Let us not compromise that for the sake of whatever little benefit we see in some business or some dealership or some dealing with somebody or some political stuff. It is not worth it, my brothers. It is not worth it. Because when we stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the price there will be very heavy. And we don't want to be paying that.